0: Great goodness and mercies, O oh Jesus. We thank you, O oh Lord God, for the st- service we've experienced, O oh God. We thank you, O oh Lord God, for the testimonies, O oh God. Knowing, O oh Lord Jesus Christ, you're still a deliverer, O oh God. You're still a healer, oh Lord Jesus. You're still involved with your people, O oh God. Lord, we thank you, O oh God, for this day, O oh Lord God, that you've made. Lord, you are so good to us, O oh Lord God. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords, O oh God. You are the creator of everything, O oh God. Oh, Lord God, you purchased us, oh God, with your precious blood. And you brought us into your church, oh Lord God. You called us out of darkness, Lord. Now, Lord God, use these lips of clay, Lord oh God. Use me, Lord God, for your goodness and mercy, oh God. Speak, oh Lord God, your word, oh God. Deliver somebody right now in their mind and their heart, Lord oh God. Give them a heart and mind to repent, to look back and turn back to you, Lord oh God. Let your anointing, oh God, rest upon this congregation, oh God. Touch somebody right now. Prick their heart, Lord God, through your word, Lord God. Lord, we thank you for your great goodness and mercy, Lord God. And remember those that can't be here because of sickness, oh God, we ask you, Lord God, to touch them and help them and heal, Lord God. Oh God, be their God, Lord Jesus. Lord, we give your name the praise. Let everyone say thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Let everyone say thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Let everyone say "Hallelujah." hallelujah. Let everyone clap your hands and say thank you, Jesus. Give them a little bit of praise. Give him a little bit of praise. You can worship him. Clap your hands, all you people. Worship him. Worship him. Worship him. You may be seated. I thank the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, my my Lord and Savior. I thank the Lord Jesus Christ for my space in the building. I thank the Lord for allowing me to see another day. I thank the Lord for allowing me to be on the, the program this evening. I thank the Lord for my pastor. I thank the Lord for all the elders. I thank the Lord for uh, Elder Geddes in his absence, Elder Black, Elder Donald Black, um, Elder Robertson, Minister Eric Griffith and and all the saints and the mothers and Greek Mother Geddes and, and the trustees. I thank the Lord for my wife and my two children. I thank the Lord for the end of a school year that my wife was brought through safely. There was no school shootings. There was no disaster. There was no students that passed away. I thank the Lord for that, and on uh, Sunday after, after we were up at the Arbors, my wife took uh, my children up to their grandparents so they could have a little bit of a break since the school year was over, so I thank the Lord for traveling mercies. They came back yesterday, and I wish I went with them, and I think if I could do it all over again, maybe I could be a teacher, but then I can't do it all over again, and I, or the summer vacation, who knows what, what, what would happen. So I'd probably find another job. So I'm, I'm thankful for where I am. How about that? But I, am, I, I think about that you don't have to get up, but I don't have to deal with children. And I, I know that that's why I'm not a police officer as well. That was my father's profession and my brother's, and I don't think I would have the patience that people have to put up with. So I'm, I'm in the right place. I have, limit, I have limits that I, I can go to, and that's all I can do. And so people, they can bother me, but I have to pray for them. And so you, you know how it all works. You know, the, the world is the world. But I thank the Lord for the church of Jesus Christ. I thank the Lord for the ministry that, I, that I'm in. I thank the Lord for the ministry that the Lord has put me in. It's changed my life forever. It's changed my life forever. If you get baptized in Jesus' name, and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the real Holy Ghost, the one that God fills you and that you'll speak with other tongues and spirit governance, that Holy Ghost, not not a touch, not an anointing, not a trembling, but a, a, a fluency of the Holy Ghost speaking through you, filling, a filling, a filling, not just a touch. Your life will never be the same. I don't care what you've been into or what you went through. Before you came into church, your life will never be the same. Your life will never be the same. So I ask for you to to please pray for me um, and the the Lord will uh, use me and uh, I can be before you and say what I have to say and then we can go about worshiping the Lord. How's that sound? All right. All right. So turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. And we'll start beginning in uh, verse 1. Isaiah chapter 6. We'll begin versing at verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. His train filled the temple, and above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Yes, it is. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphims, um, one of the seraphims, unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which had he had taken off. The tongs from the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. I'd like to use for a thought Do you remember where the Lord brought you from? Do you remember where the Lord brought you from? When Isaiah saw the Lord, there was an immediate inventory of self worth. Him being just flesh, humanity, and temporal. He saw something that he may have heard about, but he saw a vision. He saw something. And remember, he was a prophet. So why does he mention Uzzah? In the year the king Uzzah died, because Uzzah wasn't the king. Joath, Joatham was the king, his son. And because of Uzzah's sin at the time that when Isaiah saw the, uh, saw the vision... God took him to Uzzah because of the greatness of Uzzah. Uzzah was a was a he was he was put on the throne at 16. His father was murdered. So the people chose him to as a at the vacant throne to put Uzzah there. And for a greater part of the long time, 52 years of his reign in the fear of God showed himself wise, active, and a pious ruler. He never deserted the worship of the true God and was much influenced by Zechariah, the prophet. So the southern kingdom was raised to a condition of prosperity which had not known since the death of Solomon. And the end of Uzzah was less prosperous than his beginning. Elated with his splendor, splendor career, he determined to burn incense on the altar of God. But was opposed by the high priest, Azariah, and 80 other prophets. And the king was enraged at their resistance. And he pressed forward with his censer and was suddenly smitten with leprosy. The lawless attempt to burn incense was only the exception and the excellence of his administration. It canceled out everything that he did. And he wasn't even buried when he died. He wasn't even buried in in in, 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 the, in the in the in the royal uh, sepulchers that they had. They just they just buried him, uh, not even with his father's. So it, it, it's a it's a sad note that he had such a great lustrous career. He did so many things for the Lord, and there's much more in here that he did. He did things of battle. He did things of of making um, Judah prosperous. He did all kinds of works to to help the people, and he also kept himself true towards the Lord. But towards the end, he, he was lifted up in pride. And you know, you got to know your place in the Lord. You have to know your place in the Lord. So, so I'm just giving you a little bit of what was going on because I, I always, I've always read this. I've never understood why he mentioned Uzzah because Uzzah wasn't the king. But this was a milestone for him. There's a mile marker in his life because he they must have remembered the legend of this kind of person. But see, something happened in his life that, that changed his life Forever. The Lord had given him a vision, an experience that would change him, not to mention the writings of the book of Isaiah, which are written right now, that, that are written in this book, these 66 chapters of, of all the writings that Isaiah have done. You can be in there, you can be in there for a long time. You're talking about the prophecies of Jesus Christ. You're talking about the oneness of God, declaring there is only one God. You're talking about the future of what's to come. Isaiah was, he's full of, of, of the word of God and he, his writings were full. And we can go back, we go back into there right now and I can, we can talk to, we, we, we don't even have to open up the gospels of Jesus Christ. We can go right through the 53rd chapter book of Isaiah and talk about Jesus Christ, just like the, oh, the Ethiopian with Philip in the desert. We can just talk about that. That's what God did for him because he had an experience with Jesus Christ. Now he was already a prophet, but something happened that time. And so he used, he said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ has changed our lives forever. If we've been baptized in Jesus' name and we've received the gift of the Holy Ghost, and I'll tell you what, if you have just received, if you've just been only baptized in Jesus' name and you have not received the Holy Ghost, your life will still never be the same. You cannot go down in the water of Jesus Christ and repent and not be the same. Because it will follow you around. That that blood will purge purge your conscience of dead works. It will change the way you think. Even if you so-called miss out and skip out and try something else, that blood of Jesus Christ, the Lord, will continue tugging on your life until you breathe your last breath. But I pray that not be so that you don't receive what you're supposed to have, which is being the born-again experience of water and the Spirit. You must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You must speak with other tongues as the Spirit of others, like they did in the book of Acts. Like, I, like the Lord allowed me to receive the Holy Ghost. So the Lord Jesus Christ is, is, can change your life. And, and I say he will change your life forever and for the better and for the better. Regardless of what we think we're going through right now, your life is for the better. So the Lord just wants you to re- remind you and said, remember where he brought you from. Remember where you were when you came into the church. Remember where the Lord took you from. Remember when the Lord spoke to you and said, you know, you're you're in, you're in, you're in your, you're in your sin. Remember that. We were given an opportunity to choose Jesus or the world. Do you remember the state that you were in when he found out that everything you were doing was wrong? Everything that, was, that you compared to the world was, 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 was worthless in the sense of where, where true meaning is, where true deliverance is, where, where the truth is. And everything that we were involved with was, was, was the opposite of that. And so we couldn't understand how could this be that I've been doing this so long and, and we could be in other churches and things like that, but how could, how could this be right? How can this Bible be right? And I, and I, and I have all these desires and I'll, all these things, but, I, but I, I find those to be right as well, why there's such a conflict. But what you're being found is that the Lord's opening up, he's revealing his word to you to show you this is the truth. So as, as you go on and you read what happened to Isaiah when he saw the vision, when he saw the vision, He said, woe is me. Woe is me. I am undone. And when we came to the Lord inside, maybe we may not have said it with our lips, but we said, woe is me, because I believe what is being written here, and I believe what's being told, but I am living the opposite of that. Do you remember where the Lord brought you from? Do you remember the state you were in before the Lord snatched you? Do you remember the before where the Lord called you, when you said that you wouldn't come to church, you wouldn't come to church, they would talk to you for a year or so, you avoided those people that were coming to you. But you know, the Lord knows exactly exactly how to get everyone's attention. If he wants you bad enough, look out. Because you cannot stop the hand of God. He will get you. And it's not, to do, it's not for, your, for your destruction. It's for the saving of your soul. That's why we love him. That's why we love him. And we were delivered. Why? Because he loves us. I can't tell you why he loves us, but I also know that he died for us. He shed his blood for us. And see, we can't deliver ourselves. So do you remember the state you were in when we found out that everything that we were doing was wrong? We were, we were going headlong in, in the wrong direction. Do you remember where the Lord brought you from, the condition that he found you in when you came into the church before you were baptized? Do you remember the things that you were involved in? You Listen, the Lord has given us a memory. We're not part of the monkey family. We're not a cat. We're not a dog. We're not some kind of camel. We're not some kind of a hairy beast or some kind of alien. God has given us a memory. He's given us a memory so we can go back and know what to remember good things. So when you are baptized in Jesus' name and you have received the gift of the Holy Ghost, that is your memory, that is your deliverance, that is the time where the Lord brought you from. And if I can just get you in your mind, because I can't give you a testimony for yourself, you should have your own testimony. So you just have to wipe away all the gook and all the stuff that the enemy's tried to plant on you, saying, I can't give God the praise. I don't really appreciate being in the church. I don't really appreciate what's going on in my life right now. I don't really think these things are fair. But you have to go back and remember where the Lord has brought you from. You must remember what he's done for you. Do you remember how you were? Do you remember the condition that you were in? The cigarettes you were smoking, the drugs you were taking, the people you were carousing with, the dirty jokes that you were involved with, the magazines you looked at, the men you were looking at, the women you were looking at, all the stuff that, that the Bible says is wrong. You, we were all involved and we were, in, we were entangled in. And we didn't know how we were going to get loosed, but the Lord made a way. He made a way for us. Do you remember when they, when they told you, this is what you have to do, and this is what you have to do, and you must have to do this, because the Lord said, strive to enter in. He said, seek ye the Lord. Okay, he said, seek ye, the, seek ye my face. Seek ye my face. Seek ye my face. Seek ye my face. Seek his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. And all of a sudden, you, you started... They, they started telling you, know, you know, we don't, we, don't go to, we don't go to bars anymore. And the Lord can deliver you from that. We don't do this anymore. And we, and we don't sleep around anymore. And some of us were engaged to people that would were, thank God that we didn't get engaged to it. And get married and it would have ruined our lives. And the Lord kind of separated us and went through all, untangled all that stuff like that. But when they told you that you, you, you need to pull away from that, you have to get out of that situation. You need to come out of that relationship. You need to come out of that condition. You know what we said? Not a problem. Not a problem. We did. We did what they told us to do in the word of God because we wanted to be saved. And so all of a sudden that stuff just started falling off. All of a sudden we just started doing what we had to do. All of a sudden we started going through our Bible and reading our our Bible and praying and asking the Lord and still things kept coming off. How many people, I can just only talk for people that I know, that my wife, no one told her. Do you know what? You know what? If you don't take off those pants, but only the Lord can touch the heart and mind. There's not, a, there's not a pair of pants in my house. There's not a time where I hear my wife going, I wish I had a pair of pants when I'm working in the garden. I don't hear any of all that. Who can do something like that when you have the society, everyone strutting around and everything's so tight and everything is all just in your face about fashion and where a woman wants to have her glory and wants to look good, but you can still look beautiful in a dress. You can still look holy and you can still walk uprightly. And you know what? People notice when people are dressed up rightly. But who can touch the heart of mind a man of that? How can a person talk to a, a 25-year-old person, a 25-year-old male, a 24-year-old male, 21-year-old, a 16-year-old male, and tell him, don't have sex until you're married? And put his face on the altar. Find himself fasting. Find himself Before the Lord, saying, Lord, help me. Do you remember where the Lord brought you from? Do you remember the things that we've gone through that that the Lord has brought you from since you've come into the church? We had no problem changing what God said to do. We had no problem changing our schedule. We had no problem doing what was right. I remember when we used to go through, the, go through a workplace and a TV was on. And, and you know, you, when you come into church, you, all of a sudden you go to one extreme. But all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden if I looked up at a TV set, I said, oh, no, I can't, I can't look at that. But I was so careful because I, I didn't want to ruin the day of fast. I didn't want to do any of that. Do we remember where the Lord has brought us from? Do we remember, do we realize that we needed Jesus? Do we remember how much we needed him? Do we remember how coming out and, and coming into a Bible study and we heard people praying and we we're like, oh, I hear that. I just can't wait to get in there, just get on my knees and just talk to the Lord just for a few minutes. I could hear the songs of praise when I came into the church when M- Mother Gladys Geddes was singing a song called, Pass Me Not. And I heard that song, and she sang it with conviction. And I said, "She, this is real. This is where I'm supposed to be. Do you remember where the Lord brought you from? Take back the tapes and say, Lord, take me back from where you brought me from. Take me so I can remember where I am. Help me to remember my humble beginnings and not let me so be lifted up in pride that I think I brought myself in here, that I, I, I lifted myself up and I cleaned myself up. We had nothing to do with it. We had nothing to do with it. Do you remember how, do you remember how bad you felt when you, how how bad you felt until your sins were removed? Do you remember how you felt and you just had to, you had to get baptized? You knew you had to be baptized. You knew that you were involved in things that were not like God, but I have to get baptized. You, you, you you said, oh, well, I'm going to get baptized. And the enemy tried to fight you, but you just put your hand up. Because you wanted that sin removed. You didn't know how this is all gonna work, but you knew you knew by faith that if I went and got, got baptized, I would feel better. How many people have gotten baptized and they felt better? How many people who got baptized and never picked up another cigarette again? How many people who got baptized and never picked up a bottle, never did any more drugs anymore? How many people did the Lord deliver you from all kinds of sin? Don't raise your hand. How about gambling tickets? You walk into a gas station, you walk into a drugstore, all I want to do is buy a water and I got, I got, you've got gambling all around you. How about the Lord taking all that stuff out of your hands? I don't know what that's about. You know what the Lord delivered you from magazines, all the garbage, all the things that we're surrounded with, the Lord delivered us from. Do you remember, do we remember, do we remember where the Lord has brought us from? Isaiah was a prophet, but when he saw the vision, he said, woe is me, woe, woe, I'm undone, I'm undone. And we're in a society right now, where that on the common shows, on the common radio, on the common workplace, people in meetings that I go to, in so-called executive meetings, people are just swearing, saying words that should not even be said. Years ago, they would give you a a half of a swear word. Now they just, they are so bold, now they just throw it all out there. We dwell in a midst of people of unclean lips. We think it's normal to behave like this. You can't even listen to the radio commercials because they have some kind of innuendo involved in the, in the commercial because it's all about money. And it's trying to get into the fabric of our brains and our mind and our understanding that the Lord did something wonderful for us. He bought us. He bought us with his blood. He bought us. He bought us to bring him back to himself. He knows you. When he was up on the cross, he knew you. Before the foundation of the world, he knew. And he knew what it would take to bring you. He had to shed his blood. 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 Because once you got baptized in Jesus' name, that blood is applied to your life. And you are given power because all of a sudden the things that you couldn't stop doing or the cravings and all those things, the blood of Jesus blotted out. He purged your conscience of dead works. Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember asking the Lord for help? Do you remember asking the Lord for the Holy Ghost, just making it one more day? Do you remember leaving and not receiving the Holy Ghost and walking away frustrated and people consoling you saying, don't worry, the Lord's going to save you. The Lord's going to do it. How many people know that the Lord did it? How many people have tarried for the Holy Ghost and didn't receive it just like that? Didn't we have to just go through some things? Didn't we have to kind of take some weights off us? Didn't we have to humble ourselves and just call in the name of Jesus and tell the Lord fill this with the Holy Ghost? Didn't we come out of churches where people baptized the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, but they were living like the devil? I'm sorry, they were just living like, like, the, like, like the world. You were in so-called church, but everyone was smoking, drinking, partying, having sex, doing drugs, all, all kinds of stuff. And I told you, you were saved. And you said, you read this and you said, whoa! Whoa, I'm unclean, because something's wrong with that. This is different from what I'm experiencing. We're in the church of Jesus Christ, the God that is alive, the God that lives inside my body, the God that lives inside of you. It's a difference. The Bible says put a difference between clean and unclean, holy and unholy. There's a difference. Not every building that say that they call themselves a church inside what's going on is, is real. God is about changing people's souls, changing people's lives, to give you a testimony so you can help somebody else. Didn't David say, when when, when I'm converted, I'll go out and I'll teach other sinners to be converted. I'm going to do the job. Lord, you're going to wash me. You're going to clean me up. Now it's my turn to get involved in this. Now it's my turn to reach out and help somebody else. Now it's my turn to pick up somebody from the pit and pull them up. Now it's my turn to tell somebody how they can get out of sin. We're in a world right now where everyone is, it's almost almost like they've given up hope. And the people are just kind of raising the white flag. And they're, and they're just thinking that, well, there is no God, so there's no reason. So all of a sudden now you see all kinds of nonsense. And you see suicide on the uptick, thinking that's going to solve everything. What they've just done is they sealed their fate. There is hope. And Jesus Christ, there is hope. But you have to receive the Holy Ghost. And you must be baptized in Jesus' name to get that sin off you. And then you must stay off sin. You must stay out of sin. You must stay away from sin. And the Lord has given you a power to do that so you don't have to be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. But it takes prayer. It takes reading the word of God. It takes faith that God can keep you. That God can deliver you. That God will do it. But you have to go back and remember where he brought you from. Israel's mistake is they forgot to remember we are a people that will remember what we want to remember. We need to remember where he brought us from. Do you remember that the unforgiven sin was killing you slowly? But surely, you continued down that road. Something was going to happen. You didn't know when it was going to happen, but something was going to happen. You knew that if you didn't give yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, because you could hear him, you could feel the conflict going on, that you knew something was bound to happen. You could, it could have been 50 years from now, but you knew that that opportunity right there was knocking. The Lord saying, come on, give me your life, give me your life, give me your life, give me your life. And we made, we made a decision. And for some of us, it was the best decision ever. And I would say, forever, we can go back and remember where the Lord brought us from. It's the best decision that you've ever made. Because you know what? If the Lord cracks the sky now, and we're in heaven, and this flesh is departed, and all of a sudden we're on the side of glory, all the stuff that the enemy's tried to throw at you, that, that's trying to clog you and keep you down, and all the things that you're not, and all this stuff, it'll all be gone. So now is the time now to. Shed and shred and get rid of all the stuff and the distractions that's saying it's not worth it to clap your hands. It's not worth it because you're not delivered yet to raise your hands. It's not worth it to shout hallelujah. It's not worth it to go and come here an extra half hour before prayer. It's not worth it to get somebody that I used to pray with and go get with them again. And let's come to the altar and pray. Come to an off night with me and pray. Come with me and help me to get deliverance. Just come with me and pray. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not a sign of weakness. That's how you can throw wood on the fire. I was coming into the church. I wasn't anything. I was just a person that just received the Holy Ghost. And we were in Plainville. And, I, and Elder Robertson and I, would, it was our night to clean. And he would be on one side of the altar, and I would be on the other side of the altar. And all we would do was just call on Jesus, and we would pray. And the Holy Ghost would move upon us. And the Holy Ghost would bless us. And the Holy Ghost did all types of things. And it was a fellowship. It was a fellowship. There was a fellowship with the Holy Ghost. There was a fellowship with Jesus, and he was there. What about when the Lord brought you out? Do you remember the fervency you had to go after him? Why have we stopped the fervency? Go after him. Remember where he brought you from, and take that faith from faith. And go and say, Lord, you did all these things. And then start writing some things down. As you come in, write some things down that the Lord has done with for you since you came into the church. I know you know intellectually what he's done, but you need to see it on paper what he's done. How you were afraid to lose your job. How you are afraid you are going to get, die and get sick. How you were afraid that this is going to happen. How you were afraid all money was going to roll out. How you were afraid that you were going to be on the street homeless. You know the fears that the enemy bombarded you with. But who brought you out? Who brought you out? Remember who brought you out. Remember, remember, remember what he's done for you. Remember what he's done. Remember, remember the sin that you came out of. Do you remember that it was Jesus that called us and cleaned us? He blotted out our sin even though we wanted to hang on to it, we didn't understand that he was going to blot it out. You know that Jesus paid it all for you, for me. He paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Now we're, we're in the latter part of the, of, the, of the age. Right before the Lord's going to come. We're in the latter part of the age. We're in the end times. I know we've been hearing end times, end times. But You know what? All you have to do is look around. All you can just feel is the bombardment of the enemy. All the kinds of stuff that's going on with people right now, they can't even get a handle on. You have the spirit of fornication. You have the spirit of homosexuality and lesbianism. It's a spirit. You have a spirit of suicide telling people that you have no future, that God's not going to help you, that why do you bother praying? Why do you bother coming to church? Why don't you just kill yourself? You're nothing worthless. You're worthless. You're worthless. You're worthless. And you let that devil just start talking to you. No one in the church should listen and entertain the devil. Tell him to shut up. Tell him that God brought me out. Tell him that God brought me into this church so I can be saved. Tell him I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Tell him I was baptized in Jesus' name and my sins have been forgiven. And tell him, by the way, and remind him he's lost. Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning. We have no business entertaining thoughts like that. That's the devil. And that could go on for days. That could go on for weeks. Don't you let that bombard you. You're a saint, you are God's chosen. You need to make yourself, and you make your calling election sure, and get yourself to the altar and have the Lord touch you and remind you that, he, that you are His. Don't you let that devil speak to your mind, try to overtake you, try to give you white- the white flag and just say, "What's the use? We have got off our knees. We've stopped reading and understanding that that there is there is a heaven. And there is a hell. and the place of hell, there is no relief. It is a place of torment. It is a place of frustration. It is a place of no way out. And there's no clock there. Because every day feels like the same day. And that's where Satan and his minion are going. The one-third of the heavenly host that was cast out, they're going there. Why do you think they're fighting us so bad? Because everyone else is let down what's going on. So they got thrown all kinds of deception and you have all kinds of people saying, well, I do this and that and I can do this and I can do that. I'm still saved. You can't stop smoking. You can't stop drinking. You can't stop gambling. I'm not throwing things at you. But see, God can deliver you from that. We set up all kinds of clinics we got all kinds of stuff going on. We've cleared the basements of all these churches so people can have a a place of where they can celebrate recovery. But there's no celebrating Jesus Christ upstairs. There's no real baptism in Jesus' name upstairs. No one's receiving the Holy Ghost. No one's being prayed for. No one's being delivered from demons. So they've opened the basement to whatever. People that are still hooked on dope, trying to get people off dope. Because they're on methadone now, but they're not doing heroin anymore. It's just as bad... Do it God's way. I wasn't here for Elder Black's message, but God's way is real easy. You want that sin taken away, you get baptized in Jesus' name. You come up in, in newness. You walk in a newness of life. All those sins, all that stuff, everything that you, that you can remember that you did wrong is all forgotten. And God doesn't remember that. You will get a mortgage. And you don't pay that. They'll remember you for that. Matter of fact, everything that we purchase... And everything that we buy and everything that is associated with you pay us back is recorded even though you paid it back. Because that's how they create a credit score. And so the banks and the creditors, they'll remember your debts. They'll remember that you were late on this day. They'll remember all the stuff, all the gook. But the Lord doesn't remember it. So don't, don't you remember it. Just remember where the Lord has brought you from. Turn with me to, to Numbers chapter 15. You know, we're living in this, in this society right now, in this the dispensation of grace, where it's giving people license to sin, saying, well, you know, God, he'll just forgive me. You know, uh, you know sin is just a light thing, and, because we're in the dispensation of grace, and that sin is no longer a big deal. It's, it's like they used to say, it's a no big woof. And things like I heard people say, well, he's got it, God's got it, he's got it. You know, he's, he's, gonna, I can do whatever I want to do, and, and he'll just, you know, take care of it. We, we, we talk crazy, and we're disrespectful, and we don't understand that our breath is in our nostrils. Yes, he does have it. If you repent and you do right before the Lord and you stay before God and when you make a mistake and you you go in error, you ask the Lord to forgive you. And then you come back to the throne of mercy and God will give you some help. But you just don't keep going out, picking it up and keep on going. You just don't do that. You don't do that. You don't know the God that we serve. You don't know the God of mercy. So turn with you to Numbers chapter 15, verse 32. Just going to read a couple of verses of Scripture because it's powerful. And I, and I got kind of entitled this, Pick Up Sticks. So it says in verse 32, it says, While the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day. And they found him in gathering sticks and brought him unto Moses and Aaron and all the congregation. And they put him in the ward, that is a prison, because it was not declared... What should be done to him. And the Lord said, you see where that is? The Lord said unto Moses, the man shall surely be put to death. And all the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. And all the congregation brought him without the camp and stoned him with stones. And he died. And the Lord commanded Moses. He was picking up sticks. But he violated the Sabbath. You weren't supposed to work on a Sabbath. You had six days to do whatever you had to do. But God said, you know something, I mean what I say. So how many of us want to go back into the Old Testament for on Sunday we're washing our car. On Sunday we're doing the opposite of what we're supposed to be doing if you're blood washed. All of a sudden, the mall feels appealing to you. All of a sudden, your computer feels, this is good. Maybe I'll just stay home and, and catch some uh, old stings, some Mr. Whipped Cream, Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, rainbows and, and fruit and all kinds of stuff like that. Doesn't call on sin, doesn't tell you to repent. All of a sudden, it's just a whole bunch of worshipers having great praise, all kinds of sound, all kinds of lights, all kinds of stuff, and no one is baptized in Jesus' name. No one has received the gift of the Holy Ghost. No one's told to come out of fornication. No one's told to come out of adultery. No one's told to not look at a porn, No one's told you to stop looking at your husband, another another man's wife, and and another woman's husband. No one's told you to have two men not hook up. No one's talking about that thing, and you know all kinds of stuff comes in that place because nothing's being addressed. But you read God's word, and all of a sudden we're offended. Well, you know what? That brother got stoned that day for picking up sticks. He was picking up sticks. You go back and you look at that about the person that sinned accidentally, and then there's a sinner person that sung that sinned presumptuously. That person that sin presumptuously, that means that I know it's wrong. I'm going to go do it anyway. When you do it anyways, guess what? He told them, to get, get, you're out of here. I didn't write this. It's, it's deep. It's deep. But see, what you have to remember is where did the Lord bring us from? Where are we? We're on the other side of the cross. Well, thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But you know what? This is a wonderful time for all of us to be in the church. We just have to rebuke the Satan, rebuke our flesh, and remember where the Lord has brought us from, where he took us out of. The Lord purged the sin of of, of Isaiah. He said that that, that, that he took a live coal, right? Then said I said, Woe is me, for I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. He didn't see Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He saw the Lord, the King. Isaiah wasn't confused at what he saw. God gave him a heavenly vision. The Lord wanted to use Isaiah and said, listen, I'm going to show you who I really am. So get away from these other prophets. Get away from all these false prophets. Because you know, in the time of Ahab and Jezebel, all that there were prophets and then there were false prophets. And when it came down to a reckoning with Ahab and God had it all planned out, there were the the prophets going, Go, you're going to have victory in the battle. And he said, go get me that other prophet. Get me the prophet that doesn't want to, doesn't talk anything good about me. The one that that can hear from God. Go get that one. See? You can go out here and you can get any kind of message you want and any kind of sin that you're in, and they'll stamp it and bless it. And they'll tell you, don't worry, brother. He'll, Lord, you he'll, he'll just wear off. After a while, you'll stop smoking cigarettes. Yes, you will. You'll die. After a while, you, you'll stop gambling, yes, after you lose your house. Yes, yes you, you'll stop drinking, Yeah, after your liver falls out. Yes, you'll stop doing drugs, mm, when your heart stops. The day you hear his voice, harden not your heart. We all know we heard God's voice because that's why we're here. That's why we changed. But now all of a sudden we've forgotten where the Lord has brought us from. So he said, the angel, what did he do? He took a live coal. He didn't take a briquette that was on the grill four days ago that there's was still a little bit of heat, but you, you couldn't start a fire. You couldn't even warm your hand. You still get frostbite. He didn't give you something like that. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken off from the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon his mouth, and said, This hath touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Thy sin is purged. How many people have the Lord purged from you? Purge your hands. Your hands shouldn't have been in place where they shouldn't have been. Shouldn't have been taking other people's things, having all kinds of other stuff. Didn't the Lord purge our eyes, purge our heart, purge our hands, purge our feet? If our feet took us places, that they, they shouldn't be going. They just kind of walked everywhere they went. We didn't care where we went. We didn't care how we looked. We didn't care where anything. The Lord purged us. Do you remember where the Lord brought you from? Do you remember how the Lord cleaned you up? Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you know that the Holy Ghost is fire? Do you know that the live coal is a type of the Holy Ghost that he laid on his tongue? He was now purged. Now he is useful to God because he was, a, he was in the midst of people of unclean lips. And right now we're in the midst of an ungodly generation. People say, people make a mock at sin. They think sin is just a joke. But you know something? that ain't a joke. God's going to catch up with every one of these people that so-called say, stamp sin. And say it's okay to go. Listen to some preacher on this, I was listening to this music that I was looking to, to get, and it had this preacher that was so-called Pentecostal, and he went way off. He went so way off that he told his congregation, "There's no more hell." God's not going to send anyone to hell. You know what I would have done? I would have grabbed everyone that I know, that I love, and they would all came with me. If I could have picked them up with a strap and a rope, and I would bring them, and I would drag them out of there. But see, you know, no one wants to go to hell. So all of a sudden, you just need somebody, and you don't even have any doctrine or any word to back it up. But half that, I would say three-quarters of that congregation, he lost that. And he got himself in all kinds of homosexuality and all kinds of stuff, telling people it's okay to live that way. And you have people right now in this state, in in, in this nation, and in this Massachusetts, Maine, Vermont, uh uh, Rhode Island, these six states, they, they want to turn it all, turn it all over in that direction. You know what that is? It's just a cloud of demons. People are bound to that and now they're saying, you know what? You can come in and you could have been bound to that kind of stuff and after you got baptized in Jesus' name and after you received the Holy Ghost and the Lord delivered you from that, now they're telling you you can't talk to those people and tell them there's a deliverance. They're trying to make it against the law. In California, they've already done that, that you can't tell people they can be free from that. That's like me telling you, listen, you're smoking four packs of cigarettes a day. You have an oxygen mask on your neck and And you're you're, you're dying. You can't even walk five feet. You're going to die. And I'm telling him, listen, I got baptized in Jesus' name, and the Lord delivered me, and I didn't smoke another cigarette again. I didn't have a shake. I didn't didn't have any deliverance. The Lord delivered me from that. Why shouldn't I go tell somebody that the Lord can do that? So the, the Lord has delivered you from. Remember where the Lord has brought you from, and go tell people how to get free. This is not about the testimony, but don't hide what God has given you. Don't take what God has given you and dismiss it. He's done something wonderful for you that you could never do. We could never purge ourselves from our own sin. We could never freed ourselves from the ways that we feel from the Lord. The healing, all the things that come with the Lord. We couldn't do any of that. But he took that coal and he touched our hearts. And he touched our minds. And he took us from crazy places. He took us from relatives that didn't want to know God. Some of us were the only people that were, that, that were that left from our family. We looked around and there was no one there. Everyone left. The Lord saw your heart. He saw the decision you'd make. And he knows the desires of your heart. And he has a plan and a purpose for you. But you have to remember where he brought you from. Otherwise you won't appreciate it. So this Sunday is first Sunday. And we remember the Lord for what he did. This body was broken for you. Eat it. This is blood that was shed for you. Drink ye all of it. Jesus said, do this in remembrance, in remembrance, in remembrance, in remembrance, in remembrance, in remembrance for me. You know, people don't understand the cross. The cross is heavy. It's heavy to a son to intellectually understand because it's hard to fathom that, that Jesus would, you know, come down from heaven, allow himself to be born through all of that so he can go through all of the things that we say that we can't go through. But then he allowed those people to do what he did, what they did to him. But he hung on the cross. To free us. He hung on the cross to deliver us. He knew what I would be involved in. You know, the Lord called me out of sin. In 1992, he called, he rang my doorbell and he called me out of sin. And the people that I was running around with, we were running hard because we, we were young and we thought that, we, that, that life had uh, a, a, a two million uh, mile extension cord. We could just run wherever we wanted to go. But the Lord just got my attention, and I, I, I came in. I was supposed to be in church on a Sunday, and I, and I, I told uh, Elder Robertson, brother, I'll be there, I'll be there. And then I was so easily swayed that, you know, the friends were going to go play pool. And I said, well, there's no harm in going to play pool. So I went, and I went to a bar, and, and we went to this place in Southington, and we we're going to go play some pool. And I got up, and I, I went over there, to I think I had to pay for the pool balls or whatever, and the Lord spoke to me while all the TVs are on and all that music going on. He said, what are you doing in here? And I said... I've already heard that voice, and I said, I, I have to leave. So we, we got, it took us about 30 minutes to get there, and I went to my friend, and I don't, I don't think we're, well, anyways, I haven't seen him such like that, but anyways, he, he said to me, I said to him, I have to, you have to take me home right now. I have to leave. He said, why? We just got here. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I said, I have to leave. And, he, and he, so I started getting you know yelled at and berated and all kinds of stuff in the car. He goes, tell me why you have to leave. Tell me why you have to leave. And the only answer I had to say was that the Creator told me to leave. That the Creator told me to leave, and that He didn't say anything after that. But I'd never forgot that. But you know, after I got into the church, after the Lord delivered me from cigarettes and drugs and all the nonsense and the things of the things of the world, the things of the past, after the Lord did all those things, that there was a person that was on my job, then a hotel I worked at, and he kept calling me every once in a while. You know how the enemy kind of slips in right before church, and says, "Hey, you want to come out? Hey, you want to do this? Hey, you want to?" And you just say, oh, don't, "Don't take that call. You leave it on a message." And blah blah blah. And then he of saying stuff like this: "What are you born again?" where are you born again? But it wasn't a, th- a time for me to tell him, hey, listen, you come out to church. It was, it was more about poking the bear. He just wanted to see if I would get riled up and then I would just come out and, and acquiesce and just go with him. But you know what happened six months later? See, I would have been with him. But you know, he, he got a nice job and he got a real nice car and he was going around the corner and he flipped that car over on a, on a rectory, the front yard of a, a rectory. And he went through the sunroof and broke his neck and he died, 26 years old. I should have been in there. If I did not go when the Lord spoke to me, I would have been in that car. I know it because I went down at the altar at that time and I just wept. Thank you to the Lord for remembering me. And me, uh, the mercies of God were put upon me that I did not suffer to go through with that. But see, everyone has a decision to make. Everyone has a choice. Don't leave the church. No matter how much the enemy tries to speak to your mind speak to your heart talk to your family kind of kind of rile all kinds of stuff just raise all kind of sand don't you leave the church your help is in jesus christ your help is around your brothers and sisters who've already been through all this your help is around them your help is at the altar you know the, the tongue, that the coal was taken from off the altar your help your help your help is not in the back of the church Your help is at the altar. Your help is on the altar at home. Brother, every time we used to come in this church, where did we go? On the altar. Because we needed help. We wanted to be in touch with Jesus. Get tangled with Jesus. Make a a vow to him. Don't break the vow. Make it to him. And say, Lord, cover me with your blood. Tie me up. Tie me up, Lord. Keep me in the church. No matter what goes on, Lord, keep me. Because if I know I'm in your hand, you'll make it okay. Don't resist the deacons. Don't resist the mothers. Spill the beans. Tell them what's going on. Say, I need prayer. My family needs prayer. I need prayer. My family members need prayer. My aunt needs prayer. You start praying with other people, things start to change. Lord works miracles. But if you leave, your defense departed from you. You're all alone. And you think you're going through a little bit of struggle now. This is where your help is. Your help is in the church but your help is on the knee on your knees because you can communicate and if you pray in the spirit that groaning and the utterings will go up unto God and he'll minister unto you with the infirmities of the spirit and you'll feel better but you can't go back and say well I'll just do it one time remember remember where you came from you didn't receive the holy ghost by coming in and calling on the lord one time I thank the Lord Jesus Christ that I didn't call and call on the Lord and receive the Holy Ghost and that was it. I would never have known about prayer. I would never know about the word of God. I would never have been able to get all that stuff flushed out of me that was in here. I went through the Bible studies. I went through fastings. I went through uh, just fellowship. You just, you know, we're looking for a a quick remedy. We want to just flip the switch and want it all to be gone. It doesn't work that way. This isn't Disney. We're in the church to deliver other people. See, when you get out of the mess that you're in, you have a you have a testimony like Sister Grider. You have a ton of testimony like Sister Stinney, and I heard part of Sister uh, Pouncey's testimony. You have brothers and sisters that have gone through trouble. Sister Hudson's testimony. You can help people. There are people on my wife's job that are going through things that they don't even believe in God. We tell them we're praying for them, and they look at us like we're crazy. I'm not crazy. Because you know something, if I pray hard enough, and I really mean what I say in my prayer, I can make that unbeliever a believer. I can, I can change things because the Lord told me if I ask him, I could do it. And he would do it. I'm going to tell you got a testimony really quick. And I didn't want to give this until later, but it, it doesn't matter. It's, 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 it's a, it's, it pertains to right now in the church that we're in right now. Deacon Turner sent me an email on on a Thursday at 2 o'clock, 2.30. It says, okay, if I put this testimony in the bulletin on Sunday. And I said, absolutely. 20 minutes later, a person on my job that Sister Christie knows, and, 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 uh, and I, and I know because I work with him. But he came out two years ago in 2016 on Thanksgiving weekend. And we weren't even supposed to be back from Maine, but we came back a day early. So we were here. In that bulletin, the bulletin that's on Sunday, about the demons and the police officers, well, guess what? He remembered that. So he came in my office out of the blue, and he goes, Do you have that doc? you have that testimony, that piece of paper about what the police officer like that? And I I thought, I said, this guy, he doesn't have my email. I said, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. And I'm praying for him. And I told Sister Chris she invited him out to Father's Day fish fry. So you know what I did? I invited him out to Father's Day fish fry. I know you might be busy, but we have a picnic. It's really good. Well, who cooks the food? Now he's asking questions. I said, well, the sisters cook the food. There's a kitchen downstairs. We're outside. We eat all kinds of food. But you see, people are praying. It's not just me praying. You have other people. So go to other people that you're talking to. I, I, I'm going to pray. I've been praying for people in China because they're an underground church right now. I'm already praying for, chi- for people in China. I'm going to continue praying for people in China. I'm going to yoke up with Sister Christie. I'm going to yoke up with Sister Hernandez. I'm going to yoke up with the mothers and say, Lord, just fix all kinds of things. But this brother came out of the blue. So I told him on Sunday, I'll give you another, an- another uh, testimony you can have. I said, why do you want it? He goes, because it was powerful. It was powerful. It was powerful. I'll just tell it so you don't have to read it. I'll keep the other bulletins. 2014, March 27th, it was 1 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning, Forget about the times. I'll just tell you what happened. A person came into the branch, and I worked over in West Harvard. And this person came in, and they seemed kind of like okay, but they seemed kind of one-off a little. So I didn't know what was going on, and they came in my office, and uh, my assistant manager, we all play jokes with each other, giving people customers that are, and let them handle the, the entanglement, you understand, right? It throws, it gives you a little bit of levity. But this person came to my office, and he sat down, and he goes, I'd like a business loan. And I looked at him, and then I looked at his coffee cup, and inside the coffee cup was a lollipop upside down. And I said, oh, no. And I said, it's not a full moon. So I said, well, OK, well, what do you want to do? And I went through the whole thing, because you don't turn anyone away. And then he left my office. And then he went out into the lobby, and he started doing splits. And I said, well, that's not good. And I said, well, you know, his behavior's kind of weird. And then all of a sudden he went out to his car and he grabbed the big leather coat and he got all his change and he threw it all down like we were, I don't know, at the foot of the cross. I don't know what he was trying to do. But at that point I said, you know, I think I should just call the police, just make sure, because I have employees and customers, and if something does happen, I got all these cameras on me, so that's not good either. What did you do? Oh, I just watched. No. So I called, I called the police, I told them what's going on, and everything seemed to be okay, and they talked to him outside, and he said, oh, no problem, I'll, I'll leave, and he left. And that was at 11 o'clock. And then he went behind the bank so I could see him through the ATM. And he was just standing there, he was doing splits, and he was writing all kinds of stuff on his bumper. He was scratching all the paint off. It was a nice blue car, all kinds of stuff. So one of the officers came in and they said, listen, we're not going to leave. We don't like what we see. We can't do anything, but we're just going to stay off. And if he leaves, it's all good and everything. I said, that sounds good to me. And I just kept my eye there. And unfortunately, during this whole time, where our branch is very busy. No one was coming in, no customers. I said, this isn't good, because I think the busier I get, this guy will go away. So after a while, it came out two hours later, about one o'clock, he's still there. And I looked out the window, and I'm pleading the blood of Jesus Christ the whole time in the ATM room. And I'm just saying, you know, he's going to probably leave. And I started to walk away. And he raised his hand and started coming towards the branch with both his hands raised, going, Bill, 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 yelling my name. And the police officers were telling him, Come over here. Now they have their tactical gloves on, and now they want to get him because now he's coming towards the bank, and my employees are are a little bit concerned. Let's just put it that way. There was fear. And so my instinct was to go out and just keep an eye but not do anything else. And all of a sudden, the police officer grabbed him and the three, be- and there was three officers and then there was a fourth person they were trying to get, but the four became one. And they rolled on the pavement from like here to there, back and forth. And this all went on within like maybe 20, 30 seconds. And people were being thrown and they couldn't get a hold of him. So I immediately went out the door and I ran to him. And I was going to just grab a limb. If I grab a limb, they grab a limb, you get four, you're good to go, right? And I grabbed the limb. But before I could grab and I went down to bend down, instead of that, the Lord had me say, stop. And I said it in such a way, in such a way that he stopped and he went onto his chest, and I was facing where Elder Robertson was, and he went on his chest by himself and turned and pulled his head back up and said, I'll do whatever he tells me to do. And I thought one of the police officers were going to probably pass out. The looks on their faces was almost like in an in 18-chapter in book of John where they, when they said, I'm looking for Jesus, and he said, I am he. They came back. Two of them went on disability. They're still talking about it today. They went and talked to other employees. I told them what happened, what was going on with him. When they finally had him subdued, he was speaking in all kinds of tongues, but it wasn't the tongues of angels. It wasn't the tongues that we have. It was demons. And he was telling them that all kinds of things, but basically he was going to cook them. And so all of a sudden they went over to the car and they started looking at everything after they had him subdued. And he had written all kinds of languages they they didn't understand all over the back of the bumper. And the sergeant came over and he was a big guy. And he goes, look at my arm. And all the hair was raised up on on his arm. You can speak to demons. You can subdue. those types of situations and you can yoke up with your brother and your sister, old or young and bind spirits, bind people that are trying to destroy your children they're not even in the church, you can bind those types of things, this is about the Holy Ghost this is nothing that I planned on doing but the Lord said, speak the word and the man, he just he didn't know what to do, the police officers didn't know what to do don't Gate the power of Jesus Christ. Don't just settle for a church experience. Dig deep in Jesus. Come to the altar. Come to your deliverance. Let the Lord tell him what's bothering you. Is it your eyes? Is it pornography? Is it drug use? Is it a yearning for sex? Is it a yearning for cigarettes? Is it the things you can't put, the things that you gave up and all of a sudden you picked them back up? Is it gambling? Tell him what it is. He knows what it is. But your deliverance is on the altar. Your freedom is on the altar. Let him touch it with a live coal. Let him touch it with the Holy Ghost and fire, the one that he filled you with. And let him touch you again. Let him touch you again. You know, in the fourth chapter of the book of Acts, they needed to get another prayer because they were being persecuted. So they were filled again with the Holy Ghost because they are being intimidated by the priest because they are preaching in Jesus' name. Right now, we can't say Jesus anymore because we're intimidated. If we mix our lives with prayer and ask the Lord to do what we want done, the desires for people to be delivered from Satan, that's why the church was started. That's why the church was started. That's why this church is apostolic. That's why we're not Baptist and we're not Episcopalian and we're not Jehovah Witness. We don't have a bonneton song. And then we speak really soft and I say peace to you and peace to you and I say goodbye. No message, no deliverance, no anointing, no nothing. We're not that type of church. This is where you can bring people unashamedly and say, listen, you can get your sins removed here. You can have your body healed here. You can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the real one. You can have your sins removed. You name it. Don't bury what God's doing. Let God use you, but don't you leave the church. I'm not saying it in a sense of, you know, trying to scare you. If I could scare you and you wouldn't do it, that would be wonderful. But the Bible says that if you receive the Holy Ghost and you go back out there and you go back and you get back things that you were involved in and you, you, you turn yourself and the Lord gives you a reprobate mind, what you had before, it's going to be seven times worse. It's not worth it because your moment, see, the people that were suicide, I'm going to sit down. The people that the people that took their lives, that committed suicide, if they just waited one more day, there was, a, there was a glimpse of hope. But see, we have the hope of glory on the inside. If we really want to get in touch with Jesus, we have the hope. So we shouldn't have despair. These people took their lives because there's no hope. And boy, were they surprised when they got on the other side. We don't have to settle for what the enemy's trying to push at us. at our children, all kinds of stuff. Plead the blood of Jesus over them. Before they go to school in the morning, pray for them. I pray for my children. I can't be with them all the time. But I say, Lord, cover them with your blood. Cover the bus driver. Cover the teacher. Some crazy person comes up to them and tries to give them drugs or something like that. They have to say on their own, no. But I need the angel of the Lord to be around them to swat that stuff. Don't let people tell you there is no God. Don't let tell people let you tell you, even in church, there's no hope. I've been in this so long, there's no hope. Yes, there's hope. Come to the altar. You can come now. You can come on an off night. You can come with another brother or sister. You can come with a mother. Come to the altar. Come to the altar of the Lord. Let the Lord deliver you. Let the Lord help you. Let the Lord heal your body. Why drag it around any longer? Let him help you. Remember where the Lord brought you from and let him complete the job. Let him do it because he's so good that he just wants to do it. But after he does it, just give him a testimony. That's all. And then help somebody else. I'm sorry, longer than I wanted to be, but pray for me because God is real and I want to help other people. I just don't want people to go through what I went through. I don't want people to go through half their life and have to go through all that stuff. For what purpose? For what purpose? what purpose what God has done for me. Remember where the Lord has brought you from. Don't turn back, saints. Don't turn back. There's nothing back there. Scorched earth, sand, rocks, and no hope. No hope. Praise the Lord. Pray for me. Praise the Lord. May we all stand and thank God for the word of the Lord tonight. Remember.